Good morning. So good to be with you this morning and want to welcome those who are joining us online as well. So glad you're with us. If you're new, I echo uh, Pastor Dustin's sentiments. We're so glad you chose to be with us today. Hope that you feel welcome. We want you to know that this is a place that you can belong. And as we have been in a series, you don't have to, you know, you can get to the last message and you don't feel like you're going to miss everything else. But... Um, we are the last of our series, but before I move on to that, I want to tell you where we're going, um, where we're heading into February and March. And so next Sunday, we're going to start a new series called Mark Matters. It's a study on the gospel of Mark. I really feel like this is the, I'm excited about it because I feel like this is kind of the forgotten gospel or the, uh, or the, or the least um, publicized or the least notoriety or whatever you want to call it, I just feel like it's the most overlooked because you have Matthew and John are kind of the bookends, and Matthew and John were both disciples of Jesus. They were part of his inner circle, part of the 12. Um, you have Matthew and Luke that, you know, when we think of Christmas, we read one of their Christmas stories uh, in, when we're around Christmas time. John, um, you know, is the beloved disciple and uh, also wrote um, Revelation and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You have Luke that not only wrote one of the, you know, the major gospel, but also wrote the story of the early church and the book of Acts. And sandwiched in between all of that is Mark. And Mark is also the one that was not forgotten by accident, but on purpose uh, when the apostle Paul was really disappointed uh, because Mark had kind of let him down on a first missionary journey. When it came time for another one, he was like, I don't want Mark. In fact, it was probably one of the first church splits in leadership. The leaders went different directions. Paul's like, I don't want Mark. You can have Mark. Now, the good news is Mark at the end comes back, and he and Paul, I mean, they're tied again. That's the wonderful thing of, of, the, of the gospel of reconciliation. But he was frustrated with Mark. And so Mark kind of got tabled, kind of put on the side. He was overlooked. And really, when you read the Gospels, I mean, if you're a new believer, what, the first thing we tell someone is, read the book of John. Read the book of John. That's a great place to start. We really don't start with Mark, and it's the shortest of all of the, the books. But I'm really excited about this Gospel, Mark. And maybe if you've, uh, you've felt like Mark before. Maybe you felt like forgotten, or maybe you forgot overlooked, or maybe you're looking for a second chance. Uh, the Gospel, Mark, is going to be a great series that we're going to study for the next several weeks. But we are going to take a one-week break on February 13th for Football Sunday. It's become kind of a tradition around here. We actually started it uh, the first year the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, and we don't do it because the Chiefs are or not in the Super Bowl. We're going to do football Sunday regardless, and we don't do it in honor of the Chiefs. Uh, not, not rooting against you or not saying anything bad about you. I'm just saying we don't do it for that reason. We do it for the reason that Paul said, I've become all things to all people in order that I might win some. It's a great Sunday to invite someone that normally wouldn't come with you to church. It's a great Sunday to uh, introduce them to your church family because we're going to do a little tailgating before. We're going to have cornhole out in both, both foyers. There's going to be food and there's going to be fun. Uh, there's going to be some giveaways. So it'll just be a fun, fun day. But it's all to uh, give you an opportunity to invite your friends so that they're going to hear three short inspirational messages. I think a couple of them are Hall of Famers from three um, Super Bowl champions. You're going to hear three 
inspirational stories about the good news. And so please, I encourage you to invite your friends. But today, we are in our last series, in our Welcome Home series. And today's message is home is a place where we're transformed. We've talked about home being a place where you belong. Home is a place to rest. Home is a place to come back to. Today, we're talking about how home is a place where we're transformed. Those of you that have had kids and grandkids know the miracle of watching our kids grow up. We kind of take it for granted, but it really is a miracle when you think about how our kids are transformed right before our eyes. And you, you see it from zero to one, there's such a transformation. And from one to five, there's such a transformation. And you get to the place where we are and we're empty nesters. And just yesterday, Heather and I were walking our dog and we were uh, several, uh, we were a mile or so away and we saw this young family uh, just looked like the all-American family, two little kids, a dog outside. They were playing out in the front yard. And Heather was like, ah, I so miss that. I miss, I miss that. And we both kind of talked about how we miss those times. And we love that our girls have grown, but it's hard to believe how fast it's been. And some of you today, you're going, man, it's been so quick. It seems like we just had a baby, and now they're getting ready for kindergarten. We're going to have a kindergartner next year. Heather and I cried <laughs> when, our, when our daughters went to kindergarten. It's a big thing. It's, it's when you may think about, you know, my, my kid's about to be a middle schooler. Maybe you're trying to soak up every single last minute because you have a high school senior, and you're just trying to soak that in every minute that you have with, with your son or with your daughter and if you're grandparents today, you're going, you have no idea. You're wet behind the ears. You talk about life going fast. You watch not only your kids grow up, but you see your, your grandkids growing up right underneath our noses. These are transformed um, from kids to adults right before our eyes. And it changes so fast. And when we're physically born, when you're, you just, there's some natural growth that takes place. I mean, even the worst of circumstances, you're going to naturally uh, physically grow. You're going to get older. Your body's going to develop. Um, mentally, you're, there's going to be some surroundings that you're going to take in. You're going to grow mentally. But spiritually, you can have some things shared with you in, in a home. But really, to really grow spiritually, you have to be reborn. You have to be born again, just as you have to be physically born. And, and this is something Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. Uh, verse 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, who is scared actually, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, has this conversation with him because he recognizes there's something about Jesus. And he's having a tough time figuring this out. And he comes to Jesus and Jesus replied in verse 3, very truly I tell you, he's saying to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they either enter a, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You have your notes with us today on your seats. You might want to pull this out. Just a few things I want to share this morning that, that there's two ways to live life. We really have two options. Uh, we have option A and option B. And option A is what Jesus replied to as being born of the Spirit. It, it's to be born again. It's to be born spiritually. 
That's one way to live our life. The other way is to live apart from the Spirit. And by the way, we all start on journey number two. Everybody begins on journey number two. Everyone begins down a path, down a road, of uh, apart from God, apart from the Spirit, not because God wanted that, but because we chose that when we sinned and uh, made our free will decision that we were going to go a different direction. So we're born into sin, we're apart from the Spirit. And I will be honest with you, regardless of what journey you're on, if you're you know, with God today or apart from God today, they're exciting journeys. Sometimes we want to tell you that, you know, being apart from the Spirit, that there's no excitement to it. Now, it's not the excitement you're always looking towards. And the other part about it is there is a season and a time when it seems fun, when it seems pleasurable. Scripture says that sin is fun for a season. Um, anyone tells you it's not fun to sin is lying to you. That's why we all sinned at one time. It was fun. But sin catches up with you, and it leads us down a wrong path. Either way, either life that you choose, the journey is a road of ups and downs. And so I would just, I call it the journey of life, and it looks, all of us have a journey that has its ups and downs. And, and I realized today, Heather said, every once in a while she says, just turn it over that way because people can't see it that way. And then turn it over this way, people can't see it this way. So we have this round place, and so I didn't account for all of that. So um, anyway, if, I apologize if you can't see what I'm talking about. You'll still, you'll still get it. But this is whether um, life is, you know, the, the, the Scripture says that the rain falls and the sun shines on the just and the unjust. Um, we just live in a broken world, and there's going to be ups and downs. So we all experience ups and downs. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people, and vice versa. It's just this thing that we call life. But I don't believe any of our journeys look like this. If it was this predictable, we could kind of say, okay, here's a little down, up is coming. Here's a little down, up is coming. But there's really, we do have a say in this journey, and, and the journey that we all start on is the journey that, you know, when you go to Disneyland or you go to Magic Mountain or whatever, or whatever, Six Flags, they give names rides, you know, Death Star and, you know, whatever it may be. I'm calling this the, the first ride, the one that we're all on to start, is called the Death Track. And, and we're, we're, we all start here. Everyone's on it. Everyone starts out on the Death Track. We all make decisions. We, we were born into this. But then we make one decision and more decisions, and sometimes those decisions turn into other decisions. But, and, and sometimes it doesn't actually feel that bad because you, 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 know, you have some ups in this too. I mean, you have some wild rides on this journey. But I'm telling you, no matter what, it, the death track, you, there's, it, you're going one direction, even if it feels like you're going up. Maybe sin is pleasurable, it's fun for a season, but you're heading down a direction that's the only exit, the only out at the end of that is death. And not just a physical death, but a spiritual death where we die apart from God and we spend eternity apart from Him. And you may be here today, you may be watching online, you may be thinking, you know, I really don't ascribe to that. I really don't believe this. I don't believe there's really this track that we could end up, you know, separated from God, you know, eternal death apart from Him. And, and what I would say to you is I'd make an appeal to you that uh, I'm not here to try to be right. Uh, I'm not here to one day say, you know, at the a judgment, I told you so. I, I would get no pleasure in that. In fact, 
you know, the, the Scripture says the wages of sin is death. You know, that's the wages of sin is death, and, and this is the direction that we're all on. We're all on this journey. The wages of sin is death. I don't take pleasure in telling you that. God doesn't take pleasure in this being your destination. In, in, e, in Ezekiel, he says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He takes no pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. But he wants us all to repent, is what, that Eze, what Ezekiel said, all to repent, to turn from our ways, to go a different direction. Basically, it, it's the wages of sin is death, but the, there's a but in that verse that says, but the gift of God is eternal life, which means this. We start off on this ride. We will continue to go on this ride, but we have an option to get off the ride. And we have an option to get on a different ride. And that option is the, the life track that goes like this. And it heads up. And there's, there's valleys, and there's, there's sometimes, honestly, that it feels like this, and then back up. But it is once we ask Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord, to come in and be Lord of our life, and, and that we're going to follow Him, we get off the death track, and by His grace, we get on the life track, and we begin to, we, we begin to go up. Now, there's the ups and downs in those, but that is the journey that we begin when we begin to go up, and I call, I'm calling this the life track. So you got two rides. You got the life track. You got the death track. This is the one apart from the Spirit. This is the born of the Spirit. You're reborn. You're, you're, going, with, you're going with God. That is the two things. Now, I'm going to spend most of our time on the life track, not the death track. So in a moment, when I draw again, in fact, I'll just get us a head start. We've had that intersection. We've given our heart and life to Jesus Christ, and we're now on the life track. We're born of the Spirit. We're off that old path, we're on to the new path, and we're now, we're going with God. I like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he describes this journey, he describes this path. He says, when we all, who's we all? Y'all. Who's y'all? Who's we all? It is those who are born again, those who are born of the Spirit those who are followers of Jesus, he's talking now to those who are saying, I'm a follower of God, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm following him. He says, and we all, those who are on the life track, who with unveiled faces, uh, that's when we're like, hey, we took the mask off. We're not hiding behind our sin anymore. God knows all our sin. He knows all our junk. And we've confessed that sin. We've confessed that to him. We're, we're, we're not hiding behind ourselves trying to put a mask on that we are better than what we are. We, 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 with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory. That's really what we do when we worship each week. When we, when we come together to worship, we're contemplating God's glory, his goodness. That one, just because he is, because God is God. So we contemplate his glory. But the other part is we contemplate his glory because with unveiled faces, knowing our sin, knowing our brokenness, confessing it to him, we contemplate the glory that we're a child of God now, that we're loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's put us on the life track. And so we contemplate, we sing about the, the glory of God, and that's really what we do when we worship, when we sing, are being transformed into his image 
with ever-increasing glory. Now, I was struggling with this, of which translation, and I thought, I can just share all three, because there's each translation, I like something, there's multiple translations. But today, I want to share two others besides the NIV. One is the New King James Version. And it says that we're transformed from glory to glory. I love that. From glory to glory. We're being transformed from glory to glory. We're, we're, we start here. This is life up here. And we're, we're transformed going from glory to glory. In the, in, the, in the New Living Translation, it says, and we're made more and more like Jesus. That we're more and more. That's the path that we're on. That we're more and more like Jesus. I love the glory to glory. That we're being transformed in his image from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord. Not from ourselves. It's not something we do, but it's something he's done in us, done in us, who is the Spirit. So from glory to glory is what I want us to focus on just for a few moments this morning. Not that you are born of the Spirit. You get on the, when you're born of the Spirit, you get on the life track. You start heading up this journey. We know that this journey doesn't just, we don't just start here and get off here. There's a journey. There's a ride to, to go on. There's, it has its ups and it has its down. I was thinking about how we're born physically. And when we're born physically, we don't come out as babies. And by the way, we're having a, this church is becoming a baby manufacturer. Um, it's a wonderful thing. But we don't start out babies. You don't see these parents bring their baby home from the hospital and put them out on the front porch and, and say, go, good luck. You don't, you don't see them trying to, it, it starts with care and giving them milk and it, and it starts on a journey. We don't just go from being a baby uh, to being transformed to adults. There's a growth track. There's a, there's a life track. There's, there's a development that takes place. And we know that a lot of that happens, and we grow better in a good home environment. We know that we need nutrition. We know that we need exercise. Uh, we know that parents take us to the doctor when we get sick. And we can even compare, compare that to third world countries, and you'll see the difference of those in poverty and their physical development compared to our physical development. Just because we're given nutrition and access to doctors. It's one of the reasons I'm so thankful that you're a church that unleashed 104 children from poverty in Jesus' name. Because it's going to help them to have a good home environment. It's going to help them get the essentials that they need to grow and develop and become all that God wants them to be. It, we, we don't also just naturally grow mentally. We know this if you're a school teacher, if you're in education, you know, you see the difference of when there's a good home life. You know that when there's a good home life, a good environment, there's good nutrition, there's, there's accountability, there's making you go to school, there, you know that those students tend to do better than the ones that are neglected and the ones, now I'm not saying that it always works, this is a principle. So, example, my parents were loving, good parents. I couldn't ask for a better home environment than what I was, getting, than what I was given. And yet, my mom would try to teach me stuff when I was little, before I went to kindergarten. And my response was, my teacher will tell me that when I get there. I mean, it, it, was, it was 
against her. I mean, the stack was against, the, the cards were stacked against her. When I got to kindergarten, I paid for those sins, and I got to go the second year. And then for the next two years, first and second grade, during while every other kid went to afternoon recess, I got to go to a, a room to get extra help um, because I chose to make. So I know you can have the best home environment, and we still have a free will and personal decisions. But I'm saying on, as a rule of thumb, as a principle, we tend to do well and better with a good home environment. And the same is true for our spiritual growth. The same is true for our life track, that we tend to do well, we tend to do better when we're part of a good home environment. What's that home environment spiritually? It's the family of God. It's the church. We are a family. When you follow Jesus, when you become a follower of, of Christ, you are born into the family of God. You're given new brothers and sisters all around the world that are followers of him. And, and we're not meant to grow alone. We're not meant to find Christ and then, boom, be put out on the street and never be in church again or never be a part of God's family because you're going to be malnutritioned. You're not going to develop. You're not going to become all that God wants you to be. He gives us a family to grow in, to be encouraged in, to be strengthened in, to be held accountable in. He gives us a family to grow because we don't go from here to here. It's a series of, of steps. It's a series sometimes of setbacks and, and being lifted back up. And so today I want to share with you what part of what I believe that growth track is. When Jesus left this world, his last words, he gave us this great commission that we know pretty well. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. He gives us really four verbs. First, he says to go. That we're to go. That's why we, we don't just stay here. We go out into our workplace. We go out into our school. We go out into our community. And we're to be his ambassadors. We're to go and we're to share the love of Christ. We're to be the love of Christ. We're given this instruction to go. And then it says, and make disciples. Now, you can't make anyone do anything. But I think a good word for that is to compel. That we're to use everything that we can to compel others to, to follow Christ, to know Christ, to know that the joy, the peace, and the, the real happiness in life is being a follower of Jesus. And so to, to make disciples, and then it says to baptize. Uh, baptize bat, uh, when you're baptized, that's when you go public. It, baptism doesn't save you, but it's an outward expression of what's already taken place on the inside. It, it's saying that I'm professing publicly to everyone else that I'm, I'm unashamedly a follower of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, is he doesn't end there with baptism. He says, but teach them to obey everything I've commanded them. Get them on a life track. Teach them to obey. So I want to share with us this morning some transformative steps, uh, a path of transformation. There's, this is an exclusive list. There, there's more than this. But let me share five that we as a church, you often hear us talk about. One is actually kind of newer today. But one of those five steps. And my prayer today for you is this is that you'll look at these things and say, what is my next step? You don't get from here to here. You don't get from here to here all in one step, but you take next steps. You hear us talk about that we're a church of next steps. We're a church of go trying to, to take the next step and the next step. And, and you know what? The enemy, he wants you to quit. 
He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to give up. That's the enemy's plan for you. That's his destructive plan for you. He wants to get you off the life track. He wants to discourage you and get you to quit. To quit. But if we'll take some steps, and here's some steps I want to share with us today. The first and most important one is this. It's getting on the ride. It's what many of you have already done. But there's some that haven't. And that's to follow Jesus. That's the first step to getting on the life track. To getting on the ride going with God is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To repent of your sins. To say, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I, my way is the wrong way. I'm, I'm heading down the death track. And without you... I'm, I'm going to stay on that track. I need you to put me on your life track. I need, I need you as my Lord and my Savior. And you repent. You remove the veil. You confess your sin. And you begin to follow Jesus. You can do that anytime, any place. doesn't have to be in church. It can be right now in this moment. The second is, another, and this isn't in order of importance. It's just these are steps that you might consider taking. One is, second step is Baptism. Our next baptism is February 20th. It's one of the things that we celebrate around here. We, we believe this. When one sinner comes home, the angels in heaven throw a party, so we're going to throw a party with them. And, and so we celebrate. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a celebration. And it, baptism is just, again, it's a next step. It doesn't save you. It, it expresses what's already been done on the outside. One of the most proudest moments uh, that I've had as a pastor here at this church was at a baptism, and I told him he might be talked about today, and I didn't tell him why. And Heather said, did you ask for his permission? I said, I told him that I was going to talk about him, but I didn't tell him how. So I'm asking for his forgiveness, not permission. But one of the proudest moments was when Gary Clark was baptized up here. Gary had been a believer and a follower of Jesus for a long time. At the time that he was baptized, he was a board member on our church board. He, he was an, he's been an active leader, but there was something that he took that commandment seriously, and I think he was approaching 70. I'm not going to reveal your age or do anything that or embarrass you more than I'm already embarrassing you, but it, it, it didn't matter that it had been years. God instructed him to take that next step, and he was going to be obedient in that next step. And I was so proud when he took that step because I knew it had been much easier to say, you know what, what are people going to think? I've been a believer for all these years. I'm on the church board. I'm in leadership. And I just have never been baptized. Again, it doesn't save you, but it's, it's a statement of faith saying, I am a follower of Jesus, and I want everyone to know. Baptism is a great next step to take. Another step is, is uh, this is something new for us. It's called growth track. Something we want to do two, three, four times a year. It's three weeks long. The one coming up. Uh, is February 20th, 27th, and March 6th. This isn't just for new believers. This is for anyone wanting to grow in their next step. They're wanting to, they're wanting to engage, explore their faith, and have an honest conversation about what that is with other people. They want to, they want to hear about that. They want to engage in the mission of what our, our mission is. They want to, they also want to discover uh, what their purpose is, discover their gifts. I'm excited in this class that we're for you. We want to help. We want to help you take a next step. And part of that next step in the body of believers is to know your spiritual gifts. And every single one of you, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and you ask Jesus in your heart to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, he gives you gifts to edify his church and advance his kingdom. Every single one of you has gifts that 
maybe they're deployed or they just haven't been deployed or they need to be more deployed, but it's, you're going to be given an opportunity to discover your gifts. I love it when, uh, when people get a light bulb and they start to discover their gifts and they serve in their sweet spots and God uses them in great ways and they're so fulfilled when they use their spiritual gifts. Um, again, that's February 20th, 27th, and March 6th. It'll be in the first service, 930, and you come to this service. Uh, a fourth step we talk a lot around about here, uh, a lot about is life groups. And next Sunday, we're going to have a life group connection lunch. If you're not in a life group right now, you've heard us talk about it a lot, this would be a great chance to explore that. Because you come to the lunch doesn't mean that you have to be in one, but it's a great place to explore and discover more about life groups and the excitement and the, and the joy and what it is to live in community with a small group of people and go from just not being in rows but to being encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And so next week is February 6th. Um, I'll say this, free lunch. And so if you don't have lunch plans and you just want a free lunch next Sunday, um, please fill out the connection card or 94,000 text to the word Hutch or go see Pastor Nate. He can help you with the growth track. He can help you with the life group. And the last thing is this, is to serve. There's something about we were made to serve. We're happiest when we serve. Christ came to serve, not to be served. And, and when we serve, this one, my... One of my greatest calls this last week was from my youngest, Riley, who uh, last year she church shopped and church hopped all year long. I mean, I'm sure she was a pastor's best friend. They saw him for three weeks and didn't see her again. Or saw her for three weeks and maybe two months later saw him again with whatever friends she was going with. And, and this year I had a, uh, a friend that went from Oregon. He took the Kankakee First Church, which is just five minutes from where she goes to school, and I knew that they were going to be fantastic. I said, she tried it already. I said, give it another shot. Give it another chance. You're getting a great pastor, a great wife. Go give it a chance. And uh, Sir and some other friends, actually a lot of friends, have started going to this Kankakee First. And it's taken, you know, a whole semester, but she, came, she, she said on the phone this last week, she said, I think it's time for me to serve again. And I served in children's when I was here, and I haven't been serving since I've been up there. So I signed up to serve in the children's on Wednesday nights. We all know college students. They're busy too. It's why I'm so proud of the college students around here that serve. I'm so proud of Sam and Faith and Brock and Abby that was up here today. And, and I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to start that list. But I'm proud that these kids are busy, but they've recognized that serving is a place where God helps them take the next step, that helps their faith journey, helps them grow. Many of you have come to understand that as well. All these next steps, you can help us help you by texting the word HUTCH to 94000, and you can take the next step and let us know what step you're wanting to take. Because we're here for you. We're, we want to be here for you. We want to be for you. And I would say that on this journey... I don't know what I do with my blue one. I like my blue one because it worked. There it is. On this, on this journey that leads from glory to glory, you don't get there all at once. We've talked about that. You don't get there from here to there. You don't go from here to there, but you take a series of steps. And in that, in that steps, the key to the steps I want to share, Paul gives these words as well in Colossians 3, verses 1-2. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, 
since you're a follower of Jesus, since you're a new creation, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your heart on things above where, where Christ is. And I meant to get a red marker between services because I knew that would go over well with the majority of the crowd here today, but I don't have a red marker. I don't know how this happened, but I, I only have this one. So it's an, it's an orange heart, bleeds Denver Broncos. <laughs> or Bengals, I guess. Who said that? That's like heresy in here. I mean, you're going to be in the gutter with me here with that. So... I just want you to know, wherever that came from, the gallery, that I didn't say that. I didn't have anything to do with that. So anyway, the heart on Christ. You can have fun in church. It's okay. We're followers of Jesus. We have reasons to be excited. We should be the most hopeful, excited people in the face of the planet. But he says, keep your heart on things above. Here's what I find, and it's easy to do. It's so easy, even though I'm on the life track, it's easy to get my eyes back on other things. Not that I'm on the death track, but it's easy to get my eyes focused on things around me, on comparing, on what people think, uh, on, on all sorts of, you know, outs, outward circumstances. And, and the, the answer is, hey, we don't just go straight up. This path isn't a journey of when I came to Jesus, man, honestly, when I first came to Jesus, the journey felt like this for me. I mean, it was like a rocket ship taken off. I was so excited. My sins had, I knew were forgiven. I was a child of God. I knew I was loved. I had a great peace and security in that. And I just felt like, man, this is going to be the life. It's, it's going to be great. Nothing, nothing, great things are going to happen. But we all then experience life. And we have our ups and downs. And we're all going to have our ups and downs, no matter what track we're on. But in order to get out of these valleys... We need to be looking up. We need to be looking up to Christ. Christ, this is, needs to be our focus. And when, when I get my eyes off Christ and I begin to focus on outward things, what people may think of me about my performance or things that I'm doing, job performance, whatever else it may be, when I start focusing on external things, I get discouraged, I get down. But when my heart is on Christ, when I'm looking up, I'm going up. And when you're looking out and you're looking down, you're going to go down. And you're going to get discouraged. You're, you're, going to get, you're going to get frustrated. And not that you won't get frustrated in this journey, but when our eyes are focused up, when our eyes are focused up, when we're looking up, when we're looking to Christ, when you're looking up, you're going to go up. And you're going to keep going up. And it might be a journey that's like this. But as you look up, you're going to go up. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Keep your eyes looking up. And when, when we do that, then our minds begin to be transformed as in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has a good plan for your life. It's not absence of pain. It's not absence of brokenness. It's not absence of the things that we experience in this life. But God has a good plan for your life. It ends with life eternal with him. It's the life track. God has a good plan. He has a good will for your life. But that will is lived out when we are focused on Christ 
and, and, and not conforming to the patterns and the things of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can look up so he can take us up to new levels from glory to glory to be more and more like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your life track. Thank you for your plan for us. You say in your word that you have come that we may have life and life to the full. And the enemy tells us this lie that that there's a better way and there's other things to strive for and live for, but they're all lies. Lord, you have come that we may have life and life to the full. And when we surrender our heart and life to Jesus Christ, you give us joy, you give us peace, you give us forgiveness, you give us a family, you give us relationship with you and with others. So Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Whatever you'd lay upon our heart, that you would help us to have the courage to take the next step. And maybe one of those steps was mentioned here today, growth track or life group, or maybe it's something that wasn't on the list. But, Lord, you want all of us to continue to take steps in our faith so we can move from glory to glory and we can become more and more like you. Thank you, Father, for the journey that you have us on. And help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.